Welcome to Antioch Raleigh's weekly online sermon. We hope that you are encouraged by this word. For more information on Antioch Raleigh or access to our other online sermons, visit us at AntiochRaleigh.com. Good morning, church. Uh, I have a brief, quick announcement. Uh, With the beginning of Advent, uh, we will be starting service with liturgy and having a posture of coming in to receive and to think and meditate on the Lord. And so we're asking that every one of you arrive on time or early. I know this could be challenging in December. Things are winding down. Things are changing. uh, But this will be the rhythm for the next few weeks. And so we encourage all of you to arrive early. And then those who are not here, let them know to arrive early. So... Thank you for that. Uh, I'm going to start off in prayer, um, so if y'all can pray with me. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are our king. We bless you, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you um, that you haven't left us alone, that you've poured out your spirit richly upon us. Holy Spirit, would you stir in our hearts hope and joy and peace in this season? Would you give us a deeper revelation of Jesus, that we would be filled with the knowledge of him? As we read and study the word, Holy Spirit, would you uh, give us insight? Would you give us wisdom? Would you breathe life into the word? We bless you. We thank you for all that you've done on our behalf. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. After centuries of waiting, after hundreds of years of waiting, finally, the King of Israel, the Savior of the world, arrived. Completely unaware to the, the nations of the world, unaware to the enemy, unaware to even Israel, our King arrived. And it was such a joyous occasion. The world was in silence, but heaven was erupting with praise. Heaven was, the armies of heaven were so excited. They couldn't contain it. They found some shepherds out in the field. They're watching their sheep. And an angel appeared to them and said, Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. I have gospel to share with you, and I need you to listen. Today, right now, in the town of Bethlehem, There's been a baby that's been born, and he is the Messiah. He's the king of Israel. He's the savior of the world. It's happened today. And then as he shared that, all the angels, the armies of heaven, erupted in praise and singing. There was a song in heaven going on that the earth was completely unaware of. And they were screaming and singing and giving praise to God, saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among men and women with whom he's well pleased. This was the song of heaven. And behold, I bring you great no, good news of great joy. Today, that king is resurrected. He's seated on his throne. He's ruling and reigning. Today, our king reigns. So therefore, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He's going to strengthen your heart. Wait on him. Because I give you Really good news. That's good. It's full of great joy. Our king's returning. Our king returns. He'll be here soon. So wait on him. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He's going to strengthen your heart. Wait on the Lord. 
Advent season is, Advent is about his arrival. The word it comes from a Latin word meaning the arrival of someone great or the coming of someone who's great. And it's a reminder of as we look to the good news that our king arrived, that he took a humble form. Our, the king, the creator of the universe, took a humble form of a baby and then lived a life, walked in the flesh, walked on earth, and died for us. Uh, we remember his arrival of our, of our hope. But it's also a remembrance and a recalling to our mind that we would have hope today that that king, who right now rules and reigns in heaven, is returning. That our king is coming, and he's coming soon. He'll be here soon. So your waiting and your hope isn't in vain. Our king is returning. So I bring you good news of great joy. You have so much reason to hope in this season. Didn't mean to make that rhyme. Uh, you have great reason to have good hope and wait in the Lord. Steve has been talking over the past few weeks about our life of pilgrimage and different stages of development in that life of pilgrimage and different landmarks to look on the way. And today I'm going to talk about what it means to wait on the Lord. One, as a practice, and two, as a heart posture. Because you have really good news, and that should fill you with deep joy and deep hope. To waiting the Lord is a practice, and it's a posture for every season. Whether, wherever you are on that road of pilgrimage, uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to previous sermons, and then this will make a little bit more sense. But waiting on the Lord is an, a necessity for us to learn as a practice, as a posture, as we journey with the Lord as we start journeying, journeying home or if our king returns. Uh, I want to give you a few definitions before we continue in reading the scriptures. Uh, hope and wait are used frequently in the Hebrew and the Old Testament. And both words, the word for wait, one of the ways it can translate it is to hope. And then for the word hope, one of the words to translate it is to wait. So if you think about waiting in the Lord, you should equivalent that, equivalent that in your mind as also hoping in the Lord. Another way it says is to wait is to eagerly long for, to look for expectantly, like you're expecting to see something. And for hope, it means also to expect. In the Greek, it gives us a little bit different. In the Greek, the word hope means to expect good, to confidently expect good. Or another way of putting it is to confidently and joyfully expect the goodness of God, for you to experience the goodness of God. Hope is confidence in his goodness. And when we're waiting, we're confident that we're going to experience his goodness. And we're going to talk a little about that this morning. Um, as a practice, I'm going to start off. They don't have the scripture. I'm sorry. But you can turn your Bibles, if you brought one, to Psalm 130. There are some ways that we would love Scripture to spell things out for us. One of the most, com one of the most common phrases in uh, Scripture is waiting on the Lord in the Old Testament, and the majority is found in the Psalms in a place of worship. But you won't find a step-by-step -step guide to how to wait on the Lord. It doesn't say wake up at 5 a.m. and then open your Bible, start reading it, and then as you're doing this, you'll eventually wait on the Lord. Uh, it gives, scripture gives us pictures and imagery of what it looks like to wait on the Lord. So this is Psalm 130. This is as a practice. You call it being a watchman. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. 
Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, if you should mark sin, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared, that you may be revered, that we may be in awe of you. So I wait for the Lord, and my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. The picture that's painted here is of a watchman. We don't have that today, but back then, if you were in a city, you, had, you established people on the walls as the sun set and night came for someone to look for the sunrise. Or if you see an enemy, to wake everyone up and make sure you don't get attacked in the middle of the night. So the goal of a watchman is really simple, to be still, to not be distracted, to be focused and have expectation and hope that the sun will rise again. You have a history of every single day the sun rising, so you know exactly what you're expecting and waiting for. But in a place of potentially having, being distracted or being bored, to have your mind and eyes fixed and focused that you're waiting for the sunrise. That that's our posture, of the practice of waiting in the Lord is us removing distractions and expecting to see him and expecting to encounter him, even if it takes a while. And even when it's boring or can feel boring, even when we want to get distracted or look at other things, that we have a posture of a watchman who's expectant to see the morning come like it has every single day, that we would look to him and expect to encounter his goodness because he's good, and because he's faithful. It can be, I, I can tell you, even writing this and reading and studying over this past week, I felt so many pulls to be distracted and not wait. One was football, and A&M helped me become more focused, unfortunately. Uh, but you, NC State did not. That was a, I, was, I was fully in, locked in on that, so go pack. Um, uh, but there's so many things that are pulling at my attention and I can see that in, in, in my life, over and over again, of my heart and my mind wandering, wanting to go to something else for satisfaction or entertainment in the moment, instead of being still and waiting on him. If intentionally removing distractions, removing things out of my life to focus on him. The practice of Advent, this is a information that I learned this past week and I'll now give to you. When it, Advent started in about 480. And it started with the first Sunday, they began three days of fasting uh, a week until Christmas. So we don't do that anymore. Um, so for those who don't enjoy fasting up much, yeah, you're welcome. Uh, but that was, that was a season of when Advent began, there's this place of abstaining. Abstaining from receiving other things to focus on the Lord. Abstaining and, and pausing to remember Jesus coming, arriving, and then Jesus coming again. That there would be hopeful anticipation of that, but also removing distractions to focus on Jesus. And the practice of waiting is us removing distractions to focus on him. But what I'm going to talk about today is more on the posture of waiting. It's a practice and it's also a posture. And from the beginning, the people of God have waited on God to fulfill his promises. That Adam waited on God to fulfill a need that he had, that it was not good for man to be alone, 
but he couldn't solve that issue. That, that had, it was God. Abraham and Sarah waited for the promise that though she was barren, that she would bear a son, that there would be a promised son. And they had to wait months for that promise to come about. That Israel, while they were in slavery, waited for God to deliver them, something they couldn't do on their own. And then when they were in the wilderness, they waited on the Lord to bring them into the promised land. And then when they were brought in the promised land, they had to wait on him to bring about victory. And then when, because of their sin, and because of generations and generations and generations of leaving the Lord, when they were overcome by Babylon and they were sent into exile, they had to wait on him. And then their, one of their prophets, Isaiah, said, I'm bringing you good news. He says, how beautiful are the feet of him who brings good news. And he starts sharing about this one that's going to come, they'll suffer on their behalf. This one that's going to come that will be their king and that will bring deliverance. That there's one that's going to come that he's going to be the anointed one. The one who has the Holy Spirit resting upon him to bring good news to the poor. That he's going to bind up the brokenhearted. That he's going to one that's going to proclaim liberty and freedom to those who are in bondage. That he's going to bring strength to men and women's hearts and establish the kingdom of God. And they had to wait centuries. That Israel was in a posture of waiting. And that waiting wasn't easy. It was really hard. In the midst of that waiting, they experienced a ton of suffering. At their, their main city, Jerusalem, the city where that king was supposed to be, the city of peace, for two years was ransacked by Babylon. And in that city, they were cut off from all supplies, and they experienced deep, deep suffering. And in that place of waiting, a prophet wrote an incredibly beautiful poem that we find in the book of Lamentations. The book of Lamentations, in case you didn't know, is a poem. It's an acrostic poem. Uh, the first three chapters are acrostic poems from the first Hebrew word letter of the alphabet to the last Hebrew letter of the alphabet. Uh, so it's 22. And then in verse chapter 2 is the exact same thing. So you can imagine Lamentations is this prophetic poem of saying, I'm giving grief from A to Z. Chapter 1 and then chapter 2. And then chapter 3, it's multiplied threefold. It's really important scripture. God is not just holy, he's holy, holy, holy. It's the highest degree of holiness. No one else is like him. And this prophet is writing, saying, I'm giving you the highest degree of grief right now that I can write. It's an acrostic poem with every word having three verses each. That's why you look in your Bible, it says, it says 66 verses. So we're going to have some of the verses on the screen, but before we get there, um, in my own life right now, um, this is probably the saddest part of my, my life that I'm experiencing. Uh, I'm watching, it's not, I'm not experiencing myself, but I'm watching loved ones suffer, and it's really difficult, and I want to run. <laughs> it's easy to distract myself with other things. It's easy not to pay, to ta pay attention because I feel more like a watchman. The watchman can't cause the earth to spin. The watchman doesn't cause the sun to radiate heat and light. The watchman has no control. The watchman just looks and waits. And it's also the most joyful season, with Grace and I about to have twins in a few weeks. 
Punchy two days. Punchy today. Don't know. Um, it's the most joyful and a sad season. But I can't do anything other than wait and be still. But in the stillness and the waiting, there's still hope and there's an active part of who we are as the people of God. That we've experienced a lot of suffering and pain over the past year and a half. Some people might, but in this congregation alone, we've, we've had a death. We've had loved one, friends who have loved ones die. Experienced diagnoses of disease. There's a, there's a lot of reasons to have deep pain that cause grief. And the people of God don't run away from grief. And we're not absent of it. We're, God doesn't say, you, cause just because you're the people of God, we're going to exclude you from grief or pain or suffering. But in the midst of it, he gives an answer, but he also is with us in it. He says, this prophetic psalm, the prophetic poem, the prophet is exp- expressing to God with very clear and raw human words the grief he's experiencing and sadness. So we'll start in verse 16. I think it's the sixth, sixth letter. 16, 18, six times three. Yep. Um, it'll be on the screen in a second. All right, Lamentations 3. He's made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes, and my soul is deprived of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is, and so I say, my strength has failed, and so has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the bitterness. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Also be translated in some of your, your translations. Therefore, I wait. The faithful love of the Lord never ceases, and his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Therefore, I wait for him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to those whose hope is in him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone in silence when it's laid on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes, and let him be filled with insults. For the Lord will not cast off forever. But though he caused grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his faithful love. For he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. If you look at the last uh, verse from verse 18, The poet says, my strength has failed me, and so is my hope from the Lord. And then he continues saying, remember my affliction, my wanderings, the wormwood, and the bitterness. Another way of putting that, he's saying, I'm remembering it so deep, this grief that I feel in the pit of my stomach. And I don't have much words for it. My hope is gone. I I feel so empty. But his posture is remembering the faithfulness of the Lord. Remembering his testimonies. Remembering how God's been faithful from Adam up until then, even in the midst of destruction, (coughs) even in the midst of pain, 
even, even in the midst of suffering, that God's been faithful, that the one who promised has been faithful. The one who promised, he, he has prophetic promises that we fulfilled later, but also he's there now to meet him in his need. It says, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. That our, our hope needs to come not from our circumstances changing, and maybe not even just from a prophetic word about something changing in the future. He's already promised really good things about changing in the future. He's coming again, and everything will be made right. Our hope needs to be on the character of who he is, and that he's good. That he's full of steadfast love. That his mercies are new every single morning, even when your circumstances say, I don't know if I see his mercies, which we'll get to in a second in Lamentations. Even when your circumstances are hard, that the, the poet can confidently say, the faithful love of the Lord, it has no end. It never ceases. It continues on for eternity. His mercies never stop. His mercies are so deep and so wide and so vast, you'll never reach the end of them. And they're new every single morning. It doesn't matter the, the degree of your sin. His mercies are new every single morning. And on top of that, he is great in faithfulness. That means he is trustworthy. He is so great in his trustworthiness, your soul can have hope. Because of the character of who he is, is true and will always be true. And that is the reality that you need to encounter when you wait on him. Is who he is. So the poet gives us a posture that we can live in. With 25 through 27. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. To those who hope in him. To the soul who seeks him. And it's good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Go down to last, Lamentations 3, 31 through 33. This is such good news. For the Lord will not cast off forever, but though he cause grief, he has compassion that is according to the abundance, the overflowing faithful love. For he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. If you go to the depths of the heart of God, what you find is not him wanting to afflict or grieve you. He wants to give you a deep amount of mercy. If you go to the depths of God's heart, it's steadfast love, it's faithful love, it's good love. It is love for you. Regardless of the circumstance that's going on, that is a reality for you to encounter and to receive. You can turn with me to the last chapter of Lamentations, the last verse. So the, uh, chapter four is another acrostic poem. Chapter five has no structure. Uh, so some scholars think that that's the, the poet entering back into grief where he can't give structure anymore and it feels chaotic. And so the last thing that he shares in 21, 20, 22, says, restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old, unless you've utterly rejected us and you remain exceedingly angry with us. And that's how it ends. What a nice ending. It doesn't end with the resolve that we like, of having understanding of why or what's gonna happen next. The poet's left with, you may have utterly rejected us. You may be exceedingly angry with us. But what we need isn't just another nice verse 
I love scripture. And I want to be founded upon the word. We don't just need another nice verse. Another nice word to fulfill and end lamentations. What we need is the word of God to become flesh. And to dwell in our midst. That when we have a questioning of why suffering or why pain or I've been waiting and I haven't seen it happen yet. I've been waiting for the sunrise and it hasn't happened. The why that we look to the word who became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus took on the limitations of man. That Jesus became like one of us. Suffered more than we ever could imagine. That Jesus enters into our pain and that Jesus is here with us. Because I have good news of great joy. That that conquering, resurrected king who's ruling and reigning today in heaven is here with us today, now, right here. That he's with us. That he's the one that suffered on our behalf. That he tasted death for all people. That he is, is the one who suffered immensely resurrected, he's coming back again. And in the middle of the waiting that he's here with us. And he'll be with us to the end of the age. That that's our good news. We don't just need an encounter the word of God, we need to encounter the word of God who has made flesh who dwells among us. That's the one who we wait for. We wait for his return. We hope in his return. He's been faithful. He's been faithful. It was good that Israel waited for their king. It's good that the church, we wait for the bridegroom. It's good that we wait for our king to return, to establish and bring what is right. So we're going to take a quick pause, Selah moment. And I want you to ask the Lord if there's anything, Warren, you can come up and play in the background. Uh, Ask the Lord if there's anything that you need to process or grieve over the past year and a half. Is there any disappointment of waiting on him and not seeing it happen? Is there anything in you where you say, no, 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 actually I don't have hope and I can't confidently say that his love never ceases and his mercies never come to an end, that he's faithful to me, that he's here with me? Uh, is, is there things that you need to place before the Lord? Part of waiting is surrendering the things that occupy our heart and our minds so that we can look to him. So we're going to take a few minutes. If the Holy Spirit brings anything up to pause and to reflect, I encourage you to make a plan of how you're going to grieve or how you're going to walk through disappointment with the Lord or how you're going to pause and wait for Him. And if anything comes to mind, that's great. Ask the Lord what you need to wait for and ask Him where He is.
as we continue. So Lamentations 3, as this prophet is grieving, the depths of his grief turn to worship. And the process of posture of waiting on the Lord is worshiping in hope of who he is. We get to sing now, today, the realities of heaven here, desiring for that to come on earth. We get to sing today, the now, the realities of when our king returns here today, because that's what we hope in, our king returning. You can put up Isaiah 25. On this mountain of the Lord, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged of wine aged well refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the disgrace of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken, and it will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him, that he might save us. This is the Lord. We've waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. And in that day, this song will be sung. We have a strong city. We are surrounded by God's salvation. And you keep those in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. So in the path of your judgments, O Lord, we wait for you. Your name and remembrance are the desire of our soul. My soul yearns for you in the night. My spirit within me earnestly seeks you. For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world learn righteousness. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage. He'll strengthen your heart. Wait on the Lord. Prophetic worship, the prophets, as they prophesied, realities that had yet to come, we're hoping and for things we have yet to receive, yet to fully attain. We hope that for his kingdom to fully come. It's here, it's growing, it's advancing, it's continuing, but it's not fully here yet. We hope and we desire the day where every injustice is made right, where he brings justice, where everything that's wrong is made right, where a king rules and reigns, and his peace, his justice, his joy, his righteousness reigns and rules on the earth. We're hoping and waiting for that day. It's not here today, but we hope and we wait. We know it's coming, and it's coming soon. I think this is what's so powerful about our worship and songs that like we're about to sing is when we prophesy and we start singing realities that are yet to come. That prophecy that the angel said, I bring you good news of great joy for all peoples has yet to be fulfilled because all peoples have not heard the good news of great joy. That is still being echoed throughout the earth and it's waiting to go to every single people group. But it's not done yet. It's not here yet. It's good news for all peoples. And one day our king will return, and one day every knee will bow. One day every tongue will proclaim and shout out how good he is. It's not here yet, but it's coming. Our king is returning. So everyone can stand. If you're a life group leader, an elder, please come to the front. If you need prayer for anything, anything at all, I'd love to pray for you. 
Um, if you need healing in your body, if you need restoration, if you need hope, if you, if you need an encounter with the Lord, if you need prayer for anything, please come and receive prayer. But another response uh, inviting all of us into and waiting on the Lord is worshiping Him. That whether we're in the depths of grief, or we haven't, we haven't experienced that, and that's in the past, and we can look back at it, or it's in the future ahead that we've yet to experience. That out of the overflow of our heart would come worship to Him, worship of who He is. That our hearts would worship Him in spirit and in truth. That our waiting would turn into deep songs of praise. That a song would be sung the prophetic song of heaven, the songs that we'll be singing for ages and ages, for all of eternity, sung today of singing his praises and his goodness. He's our king. He rules and he reigns. That he's here with us. He's returning. And our hope and our waiting for him is not in vain. Wait in the Lord. Have good courage. Be strong in heart. He is gonna strengthen you. Wait on him. He's worth waiting on.